at this rate, but also at this rate of adoption. Like what happened yesterday, $12 million investment from two very high profile VCs is going to signal to entrepreneurs everywhere that I should start looking at a decentralized network effects business model. Welcome listeners, today we're here with Jonathan Kroll, MBA student at Cornell Tech. And we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about today, about the future, about cryptocurrency, and much more. So, Jonathan had some stuff planned for us. Thanks, Brett. So, this is, uh, this is awesome. This is my first podcast ever, so you've taken my podcast virginity. Awesome, I've been racking them up. <laughs> I can tell by the looks of this place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so this is great. Thanks for having me, and I just really like this idea of just... Awesome. Having a free-flowing conversation about all the exciting stuff that's happening. Definitely. Happy to have you here. Yeah, so you're talking about CryptoKitties? For those who don't know about CryptoKitties, CryptoKitties kind of took the blockchain world by storm like last November. It's a way to use the blockchain to not only transfer assets between two parties, but to also create new assets as a combination of those assets. So that's what... like we would call mating for cats. But this is really like a proof of concept of what's possible, and it exploded. It grew to encompass a huge percentage of the Ethereum mining network's capacity. It is still a big part of that, or a big chunk of that today, but uh, everyone kind of wrote it off as a fad. Like this is just the first big proof of concept of what you can do on the blockchain in terms of gaming. And uh, there are rare kitties, there were folks who made hundreds of thousands of dollars on by, oh, by breeding or by buying a rare cat. So that kind of fervor has died down a little bit. But what's interesting is that this was not just a way to make digital cats. Uh, you could do that without the blockchain. It probably right. would be a lot easier because there are a lot of copycats now. <laughs> no pun intended, actually. Crypto copycats? Of, yeah, of, of crypto kitties. I mean, right away there, was, there were crypto pups, there were crypto robots. There's all kinds of stuff now. Now you can go buy... Um, a version of the Queensboro Bridge digitally and own that and then hope that that goes up in value yeah. because that's, you know, you own the one digital version of that from that one And that's all Ethereum-based or is yes. it everywhere? Okay. This is a category of app called Decentralized Apps or DApps, basically. Uh, you're going to see that term a lot this year, I predict, because this is now moving from the fringes and the bleeding edge to more of the mainstream uh, because yesterday there was a big signal that this sort of platform and business model is legitimate enough for real investors to get involved. We're not talking like the scam ICOs. What happened yesterday was Union Square Ventures, Fred Wilson mm-hmm. and Andreessen Horowitz. Oh, wow teamed up to invest $12 million into CryptoKitties. And this came out of nowhere. Oh, ingest into CryptoKitties? Just to spin CryptoKitties out of its current company. It's kind of like a, a development shop mm-hmm. where they do internal products and spin them out. And that's what CryptoKitties was. From. So now it's going to spin out to be its own thing. That is big news. It may, while it may look like it's just a very strange investment or kind of a fun investment from a VC, what I see is that this is big validation that some of the best investors in the venture world uh, see enough value in the decentralization part of the the business model and the network effects that that creates to invest a significant amount of money in something like CryptoKitties. 
And there must be extremely, extremely exciting future plan for what that's going to become and how that's going to be the kind of genesis of a new way we we transact, a new way we transfer assets, and a new way we, we basically keep track of things which right now require middlemen or software or just other types of processes. And uh, this is a big step forward for that. And what, I was not expecting that. So do you think they got their own crypto kitties in the transaction? Think they got some specially that'll increase in value? Think they get an A16Z crypto kitty? That's a great question, I'm glad you asked. So that's part of having a decentralized app on the blockchain governed by a smart contract. It would be hard for them to just give them special cats. Now, I know that they release new traits, they release new genes. They make those available at a certain time. Players of the game who are not really players, but they own these digital assets, which are crypto kitties, will discover these. They'll be breeding cats, and then lo and behold, you'll breed some, a whole new breed of cat or some crazy fancy cat that looks like an alien with that's also like an alien or a ninja or as some kind of Santa. This stuff, I'm not making this up. Awesome. But those become extremely rare, and so that, that's more of an incentive for people so to keep keep. It's like free. a Pokemon card for digital assets. Exactly. So it would be very difficult, if not impossible. I'm not an expert on the smart contracts part of this, but the smart contracts is what governs this entire thing. Think of the blockchain like a really just stupid technology. It's like a, a notebook, mm-hmm. a ledger. But the person writing down, historically, transactions in a ledger is a skilled accountant. Mm -hmm. So a smart contract is the logic to the blockchain that makes the blockchain applicable to so many different use cases and industries. And that's, that's, that's really exciting. They really couldn't even give Fred Wilson special kitties. Unless they already had them or something. So he does have them. They could say, Fred, we're releasing this gene. This kitty you have here with this kitty here, it's a high likelihood that you'll get some crazy kitty so out they, of it. Do they are they the only ones who have access to that? Say like the smart contract and how the kitty's made, or is that also available and decentralized to the public? So the smart contract is available to the public, but in terms of how they release new genes or when that's decided, or if there's a release schedule of that that was decided a long time ago and is built into the smart contract, that's something I don't know because that's that's beyond my, right. my skill level in terms of understanding this stuff. I've really had a lot of fun though experimenting with this decentralized applications. Right now, they're, they're, they're not much. It's like mm-hmm. crypto kitties, all the crypto kitties, copy kitties. Copycats. <laughs> Copycats. And, and some of them are Ponzi schemes. Like there's some mm. that are like crypto countries it's like you buy the country, buy the Philippines. Okay, so the next person who buys it buys it at a fifteen percent markup. That's that's built in. But then after that, you keep getting like one percent of the royalties. So at a certain point, somebody's stuck uh, at the bottom. Those are just Ponzi schemes. Right. There's also decentralized betting. Like there's all kinds of Ethereum lottos and and uh, blackjack and dice and those mm-hmm. types of games, which are probably legal in the United States, but they exist on the blockchain, which is Again, interesting, but not really a useful use case since lotteries here in the U.S. are regulated so heavily that the blockchain wouldn't help ensure any fairness. That's what the whole lottery does itself as an organization. The other categories of decentralized or decentralization go more towards actual mature types of implementations of this technology. So like decentralized file storage. Mm -hmm. So... 
Dropbox instead of Dropbox having your stuff on a bunch of AWS servers somewhere in the world, you know, of course, like spread out amongst those. Your files would be spread out amongst my computer, your computer, anybody who would be participating in this network. So that's one example of a real use case. Um, another one that I actually find really interesting is uh, smart bonds. Mm. So think about a municipal bond or a corporate bond. As a financial instrument, it's pretty much cut and dry. You know exactly what you're going to be returned each month in terms of a payment. You know the face value of the bond. You know how long it's going to pay you for, and so on and so forth. And then at a certain point, it stops, or somebody buys it. So that's a perfect use case for a smart contract. And not only that, the smart contract then removes the need for you know, a clearinghouse to make sure that these assets actually train, change hands. And so does that, for right now at least, is that just being paid out in Ethereum coins, like in Ether, or whatever, like the coin is built on top of Ethereum? You can't do that with cash right now, could you? Or You cannot do it with cash. So that's, that is the distinction. So the blockchain, the, the Ethereum blockchain, that's really what Ethereum is. It's the blockchain. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that ledger. The cryptocurrency that's tied to the Ethereum blockchain is called Ether. And if you've heard of ICOs, initial coin offerings, those are almost always crypto tokens that mm -hmm. are issued according to the standard which means they'll be on the Ethereum blockchain. So the Ethereum blockchain has become the standard for all of these tokens, just the tokenization of services, of goods, and also just tokens for the sake of tokens. Right. Um, actually, to have a decentralized app, most of the time, there's a token associated with that. Right, and can those tokens convert to Ether, and that's like a central thing, or they're separate? That's separate, so there's exchanges, so not all the tokens are traded on exchange. Uh, it's, it's interesting because like we have in the public markets like the New York Stock Exchange and mm -hmm. the NASDAQ and there's those smaller, smaller markets. But that's it. That's the stock market. When we say the stock market, that's it. But imagine if the stock market was fragmented and it was like this little market here in LA, this one here in Seattle, this one here in Chicago, this one here in Dallas, this one here in Omaha, this one in Guam. And none of them had clearing away majority market share. So you had all these little fragmented markets, each of which was a little microcosm. It had different pricing, it had mm -hmm. different volume, different participants. That's what we have now. So especially in terms of the, these are called altcoins, like the alternative mm -hmm. coins, especially with those, um, they're not listed everywhere. Sometimes one obscure exchange will list this one coin that you would want to buy. And then you have to figure out a way to get that back to like your main exchange if that's what you want to use. But for the main cryptocurrencies, though, those are still concentrated amongst multiple cryptocurrency exchanges. So the most well-known one to lay people would be like Coinbase because that's, that's mm -hmm. also a company Fred Wilson has invested uh. in. So this is, there's some vertical integration right. in some way here. Fred Wilson is an interesting sort of proponent of this technology. He doesn't believe in it fully, but he believes in the underlying theory of it. He has said there will be some kind of correction. There'll be a crash, there'll be a bubble in a similar fashion to what happened in the dot-com bubble. Because mm -hmm. right now, 
we are seeing rampant speculation. The ICO stuff is absolutely insane and it's totally unsustainable. And it's illegal now in the United States, but hmm. you're really selling junk. So these utility tokens, they're called, that's the token you're buying for an ICO. It doesn't entitle you to any of the equity. So you're not really investing. You're investing in the token that allows you to use the thing. So it's like if you went to Chuck E. Cheese and got tokens, that's what you're buying. And it's just like an arcade. Exactly. Crypto arcades. Exactly. So it's purely speculative that that's, it's just speculation that's driving those up so high. So Fred Wilson knows that stuff like that is going to stop and stop pretty soon. Now, there are other tokens called security tokens or asset tokens, which the SEC is totally open to regulating and are going to entitle the holder to have equity just like you would if you bought a share of stock. But the problem is that's really now no different. It's not going to be the very... The same as... Exactly. Yeah. So an ICO will be just an IPO, but just using a coin instead of a, a it's share of stock. saved on a ledger as opposed to on like a centralized bank or something? As opposed... Well, I think it would go through some kind of third-party clearinghouse to clear trades in the mm. public markets. But So whereas JP Morgan would underwrite your IPO, mm-hmm. that remains to be seen who would be underwriting the IPOs, so to speak, of these companies, because you need that financial backer. That's if this does become a new way to IPO. Because the ICOs, interestingly enough, they're not initial offerings like you'd think it's an exit. It's like right. very much an entrance. A lot of the time, these are pre-revenue, pre-product startups. Like seed round. Yeah, and yeah. that's why they're scams, because you can nowhere else can you raise $35 million in 11 seconds and actually own 100% of your equity at the end of the day. Like You see why it's a scam, because right. they're just playing into the fervor and the get-rich-quick craziness that has saturated this, that world. But, mm-hmm. So that will blow up. There's no way that's sustainable. The question is how it gets put back together afterwards. And so that's what people like Fred Wilson believe is going to happen and it's going to mature. And that's why yesterday was a very, very pivotal day in that because it's just another sign that this technology has merit. So how many crypto kitties do you own? Probably about 30. Nice. I tried to sell lots of them. It's very hard. They're very hard to sell them. So what I've actually tried to do now is figure out how to breed the ones that are rare, but mm-hmm. that takes a lot of time because there's actual a genome for this stuff. There's people with, I don't know where they get this much time, but they've mapped out their like, kitty genome and they know what is what and what's going to create what. So I, I really have just been experimenting with it as a way to understand what it's like using a decentralized app right now mm-hmm. and what that could mean in the future. I've, I'm trying many other ones besides CryptoKitties. CryptoKitties is kind of like the one that broke the seal mm-hmm. back in like December. That's when it really hit its like peak popularity. There's now a whole slew of decentralized apps that have come online and, and I've been playing around with some br- brand new ones. And um, to see different sorts of applications of this technology. And most of them, at least the ones that are not meant to be companies more they're more like projects mm-hmm. most of them are just like pretty worthless there's others though other companies that are looking to decentralization as a way to run things like an entire city for example for a way to actually disrupt the way the equities markets work who are actually backed by real people and these are not 
folks who are coming in and getting into the hysteria of this, but they're looking in the long term or trying to play towards the long term uh, maturity of this technology. Uh, so there's two sides right now. The hard part is, is when I start to research the folks who are trying to make this a mature technology, it's still so complex. Mm-hmm. Even understanding what they're doing takes a long time. And it takes me a couple of reads of all of their white papers, of their websites, I understand what it is they're trying to do and why that's a value add. It's a very complicated and esoteric world. There's, a, there's actually a whole vernacular that you need for this stuff. It's like, you can't just buy your ether and then that give me ether. You know, you need a wallet. You mm-hmm. likely need that means likely MetaMask, which is the gold standard. Yeah, of that. I just got that the other day. And then you have probably seen gas. No. Uh, oh yeah, gas is you paying for the transaction, you paying for the verification of your transaction, and that is the uh, other side of the book. So blockchains don't work without the network behind it, mm-hmm. and that's the decentralization. The decentralization is a people with computers all around the world who are being compensated by mining. You know, you've heard of the term mining. Mm-hmm. So what mining actually means is while I'm looking for new coins, that's not what I'm actually doing. What I'm doing is my, my, my CPU is actually verifying transactions on the blockchain. And hopefully GPU if you're mining because it takes a lot of power. Right. Right? That is growing, growing exponentially as the blockchain is adopted more and more, the amount of mining has to increase because that's, that's the one limitation. CryptoKitties actually really put a huge strain on the Ethereum network when it came out because it was an overnight success. And, and it put such a, a much larger strain on just that, its processing capabilities. And it r- really almost brought it down, which is kind of frightening. But that shows you how important the miners are and the mining part of it is. Which to me means the scarce resource of the future is not cryptocurrency or anything like this, but it's energy, mm-hmm. it's electricity. This stuff takes immense amounts of energy, especially as computers get faster. They pull more energy. And when your computer's on 24-7 or you have a farm of computers just because you're a miner, this is not a category of computer use that existed in the mainstream, not even two, three years ago. It was still pretty relegated to like smaller circles who are very early adopters of this sort of technology. And the more miners there are, the more processing power you need to even make a little bit of money. Before it was like wide open. It's the same thing, same analogy as it is in the real world. Like San Francisco gold rush, if you're the first guy to get there, well, odds are you're gonna find the gold that's closest to the, the surface. You don't have to go dig so deep or like go pan in the uh, creek over there yeah. for some gold. And so how much energy has been spent on crypto kitty mining? So it's not how much has been spent. Mm-hmm. It's actually the relative amount, I think, per day that's being used. So there's a website that will tell you. And this is just for Ethereum. It's not, this is not blockchain mining either or any of the other cryptocurrencies that require mining as well. Mm-hmm. So the Ethereum Energy Consumption Index. Number of U.S. households that could be powered by Ethereum. <laughs> 1.5 million. So I'm assuming... That's like every day that there's enough Ethereum being mined that it could power... I'm not sure what the unit of time is on that. Oh, yes, that's annual. So per year, status quo level of usage. So nothing has changed. You could power 1.5 million homes. And that's just 
now. That's just now. So crazy. country closest to Ethereum in terms of electricity consumption, <laughs> the entire country of Turkmenistan per year. So it grew. This used to be Myanmar the other week. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and it's growing exponentially, it, like you're saying. So It is. At this rate, but also at this rate of adoption, like what happened yesterday, $12 million investment from two very high-profile VCs is going to signal to entrepreneurs everywhere that I should start looking at a decentralized network effects business model. Holy shit. If these guys, like very top-tier VCs, think that there's enough merit in it, crypto kitties to invest $12 million, then there's something there. Mm-hmm. And they're probably right. So we're going to see now an exponential growth in terms of the number of startups coming out that have this business model that are blockchain enabled. Like right now, it's still a bit of a buzzword. There are plenty of startups that are using blockchain just for the sake of using blockchain, which actually can make things a lot slower. Like there's no reason for some things to use blockchain. Like if I buy a hot dog from you and you're a hot dog vendor in New York, you better not be in the blockchain because I'm actually going to be sitting there waiting for my hot dog after I send the transaction through. Yeah. Hot dogs gonna get cold already. That's right. So no hot dogs in the blockchain. Well, crypto hot dogs that you can make with hamburgers. That's right. And different buns, whole wheat. Oh my god. Okay, wait. We might want to take this off the podcast. Yeah, we want to because we're gonna probably (laughs) make a side project. Side of fries project. (laughs) You got the condiments. You got mustard, ketchup, and then the the rare, the rare rare onion rings. They go around the hot dog? Just they're very rare. That's <laughs> Everyone gets fries with a hot dog, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not always can you find a hot dog stand with onion rings. Yeah. Besides Nathan. You get cultural appreciation through the crypto hot dogs. You got like Icelandic hot dogs. That's right. Actually that's really good. Right. So that's, and that's just the trading card model of crypto. Mm-hmm. So much more there. But yeah, so that stuff's not, a physical hot dog stand should not be in the blockchain ever. But you're, that's a reaction to... Just this still, this craze. Like, you heard of that tea company, Long Island Tea Company. No, I know Long Island Ice Teas. So it changed its name to Long Island Blockchain Company. (laughs) And shit you not, its stock went up 15% overnight as a result, just because of that. Wow. And is it even using blockchains or just changed its name? Just changed its name. (laughs) So that is an insane indicator of how bubbly this market is and mm-hmm. how ripe it is to all come crashing down. Yeah. And that's going to be on the side of the cryptocurrencies, not on the blockchain yeah. side. Because the blockchain is what has the value and the smart contracts have the value. The cryptocurrency itself is being taken in the eyes of like the layperson to be the core value, but it's really not. So how do you see this becoming sustainable? Because it looks like you're a big fan of the blockchains, of the smart contracts, that it makes a lot of sense to be decentralized, you're very interested, and you see this investment coming from a lot of investors, like top tier, but there's a huge issue with that, with the electricity consumption. Mm -hmm. And I know different currencies or blockchains have different amounts of consumption, and some people are trying to tackle it. Like, How do you see it playing out 5, 10, 50 years into the future? So that's a great question. I mean, that's really what I'm looking at when I'm evaluating these decentralized apps, when I'm playing around with crypto keys even, when I'm like looking at the cryptocurrency markets and, and looking at the other applications of this blockchain technology that aren't just the hot dog cart or the iced tea company. It really comes down to a core set of fundamental underpinnings of, of blockchain or there's, there's, I should say, there's these, these other variables that are critical to its success. So those variables are the fidelity of the network 
around blockchain. So the blockchain is the miners, are the miners. So anything happens to disincentivize you from mining Ethereum, which means verifying transactions, and people start to leave that activity, then Ethereum blockchain is in serious trouble. And the problem is all of these decentralized apps that run on the Ethereum blockchain are now linked. So imagine it's you're all handcuffed to this one big stick that, and then you get thrown in the East River. Like you're all gonna drown unless some, some guy can like somehow get out of his one, handcuff. But So let's say one guy gets out of his handcuff and gets away from this long stick that has everybody else handcuffed to it. That's like the analogy I would think of a blockchain sinking on all those people handcuffed to it would be all the companies and all of the services and all of the blockchain enabled X or Y that was on the Ethereum blockchain that could not pivot away from it. So that's, it creates a new strategic risk that doesn't really exist in these days because there's not a single point of failure that underlies companies that all use one thing. Like there's plenty of companies that use a single technology or shared technology, but it doesn't absolutely take them out of the equation, out of business, if that goes away. So you're saying it's like in America, if the dollar was to crash and go out of business, like every company, every person using the dollar would, wouldn't be able to anymore. It would be like hyperinflation in Venezuela or old school Germany. Even worse, I think the analogy for the dollar would mean the entire banking system and transacting system came apart and just imploded. So there was no way for you to spend a dollar because the dollar was worthless because the merchant who took the dollar couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't go back to the bank. Couldn't use it in the network of things that comprises the financial system. It's even worse. That's never happened to that degree because that's a complete collapse of a monetary system and likely of a country in that point because we're talking about the, f the failure of these businesses and of these projects and of all these potentially important uses of blockchain that are fundamentally tied to it. That's my take on that now. I hope that's not the case and that I'm wrong and that there is some way to be a little bit diversifiable and flexible if you're somebody who's doing something on the Ethereum blockchain. That's something I'm researching. I'm not sure about that, but let's say it's, that's not the case. Then yeah, you have a now, you're joined and enabled by the blockchain, which is what makes you, but it can also break you easily. I see some, some risks for the Ethereum blockchain in the upcoming years. I mean, scalability of the network is a huge problem. Ethereum doesn't process transactions at the same rate that competing blockchains do. It's a couple of orders of magnitude less per second. That's huge. So that means something like CryptoKitties comes along and it cripples the Ethereum network. That was A, really important to know and B, a very important thing to fix and mitigate for the future if Ethereum is to be the blockchain of the future. It could be the MySpace and not the Facebook because it's the first to really have the network effects to not yet critical mass, but to a point where at least entrepreneurs want to build things for the blockchain. And then it's self-sustaining and the more people will come, more people will come. Things like invest huge investments in decentralized apps from Fred Wilson will absolutely help that. The other part of this is decentralization You know, doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens because of people. And people don't just do it in a vacuum either. You don't just decentralize somebody's transaction by verifying a part of it 
and that's that. You verify a part of it because you get something out of it, and you verify a part of it by using your computer. And your computer uses electricity. So electricity is, is not an, it's, an, it's a finite resource that does not increase in terms of uh, its supply as quickly as these, these new demands on energy from crypto have been increasing. The demands on energy are increasing exponentially from cryptocurrency. And when Fred Wilson and Andreessen Horowitz invests in a company like this, opening the door and signaling to other entrepreneurs that we, are, we want to see more decentralized network effects companies, that's going to then put a lot more emphasis on the blockchain. And that's going to be a much busier place in terms of scale and transaction size and transactions per second, which means more mining is going to happen. And mining is critical. So mining could be the Achilles heel here if there's not something done to upgrade its throughput, which I, I think there is at the moment. But right now, as it stands, it's pretty poor. So that's something fundamentally we have to change there. But mining could become so prohibitively expensive because there's all these transactions and the Ethereum network is processing them very slowly. For you to get yours done quickly, you have to pay a lot of money. You're going to pay a premium. So that's a disincentive to use Ethereum blockchain for anything if you pay more money to use it. The other part of that is, let's say you, Brett, let's say you are mining Ethereum right now. You're processing transactions and then every once in a while you get a coin out of it. As this is happening and as more folks are mining cryptocurrencies, not just Ethereum, but, but, but cryptocurrencies to support their blockchains, as this becomes a much bigger part of our, our daily lives and it permeates other industries, then it's going to tax so significantly the electricity grid that prices are just going to increase because there's still limited supply compared to the outsized demand. And that's going to throw off the economics. It could be that it's no longer worth your computing power or your mm -hmm. time to mine Ethereum because it costs you more actually to do so than you'll actually get back by mining. That is an accurate statement. So as there's more folks mining these coins over time, it becomes much harder to mine an actual coin for yourself, which means that it's less and less profitable over time for miners, whereas the fuel that they need to do the mining is becoming more and more expensive. That's not a good construct to have. So you see a huge like, scalability issue with this. The more people you bring on, the more expensive it becomes and the slower it becomes as well. And the more costly, how you have to mine it, it costs money, uh, it costs electricity. Mm -hmm. So that electricity becomes more expensive over time because you need more of it to process and mine. So there's a lot of different angles that all kind of focus in on can this scale? Yeah. Can this be as big as people are hoping it can be? That's right. So this is interesting because all of the things I just described are requirements for a blockchain to be flourishing. But it could be that decentralization does not truly happen in some parts of the world. Because China, for example, could say, well, okay, this is our blockchain. We're going to support the energy. We're going we're gonna to subsidize the energy cost of it, of mining. Or we'll do the mining. You know, we'll create some nuclear power plants specifically for the mining of this. And then this will be the blockchain that's going to dominate. Now, in the U.S., that would be nearly impossible for 
the government to do, especially in, in short order. I mean, it's just to think that the government would be producing energy specifically to run these blockchains, that totally gets, negates the, the value of decentralization in the first place. That's problematic. I mean, the other thing that could happen is that the companies that have these economies of scale, like Amazon, where AWS is so cheap because they have this scale, because every time they add some new infrastructure, new capacity, it becomes even cheaper. So companies that are so cash rich, but have all this capacity for stuff too, will likely get involved. Like I could definitely see Amazon blockchain as some kind of service and something where they didn't want to make any money on it or they subsidize your mining costs or something, because it's Amazon, just to yeah. get the people on. ABS. Yes, that's Amazon right. Amazon blockchain services. That's right. I mean, and so that does get around the decentralization in its philosophical sense as well. Like, But that's something that could happen, because otherwise, in the wild, Ethereum takes all of these participants, and it needs them to stay in place. If any of them leave, or if anything changes, in any one of their specific arenas that's enough to d dissuade them from participating, the whole thing collapses. So it's like a reverse network effect. Like if people start going away from the network, yes. and it doesn't make the network valuable and there's no one to process anything, then it slowly can decline. It's like an arch. It's like a human arch, right? So if the guy at the top leaves, everybody falls in. Yeah, the keystone. The keystone, yeah. The guy is the keystone. Except they're all keystones here. One of them fails, then something better come in quickly to replace it, or Everything it's dead. Crumble around it. So that's why I'm not I'm not fully sold, and I think there's actually a whole new class of startups that might serve the problems that are created by this. Because for a company to make a massive investment on the blockchain, or to entirely move their business on a blockchain they would be otherwise incurring a huge risk to their survivability, even in the short term, by doing so and having no control over how safe the resources are and the network is to make the blockchain happen. Interesting. That might be some good places to look to invest into. Absolutely. The infrastructure behind. Absolutely. Or, or energy, honestly, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that energy production is going to not decline in cost significantly because I think the best we can do in terms of cost is probably nuclear, but who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe we figure something else out or we start to harness energy from plants or from some or from other sorts right. of sources the or storage batteries can get Yeah, we, or, well. or we make super or we make solar panels that can collect energy when it's overcast. Mm -hmm. You know, crazy stuff like that. That could happen. That's all in the, the realm, in the realm of material science. Mm -hmm. So, that I'm not saying that energy will stay the same. If it becomes cheaper to produce, then that would be, at least, helps offset this to some degree. But at the same time, utilities are also monopolies. We don't get to choose right. who provides our electricity. Cable, yeah. They're, na they're natural they're monopolies. Huge monopolies. They're natural monopolies because they put in a massive investment for this infrastructure and there's really not room for nuclear power plants mm -hmm. and they can't compete with each other because they're so expensive. It's just created this 
construct and it is called a natural monopoly because that's just it has to be that way to have utilities and so yeah, you need to decentralize energy sources well that's right so once we go to the moon though and yeah. we can start to directly harness yeah. uv rays well one of my ideas was to get a really long wire and attach that to the sun mm -hmm. and then you just get all the solar energy doesn't matter if it's cloudy i like that you just just hook it up plug it in constant energy sun flow. wire might great. take it from 100 million years left yep. to like 90, but I think yeah. we could. We're going to Mars. Like we're, yeah. I think we need that to fuel it. Well, you know what? Why don't we just put some solar panels on a Tesla and then launch the next Tesla on the next SpaceX launch? Because he could have done that with his Tesla, thrown a couple uh, solar panels. have a long wire trailing it. That's right. Or at least it could jettison a battery. And we come battery. out of a clown sleeve whole time just yeah like imagine wires. this it comes like every four years it comes around earth and then it jettisons this battery pack it's been charging <laughs> that's that's down. like the most dense battery pack the world's ever known it could power like the u.s for an entire year because it's gotten like straight sun rays and it'll land and then we'll send it back up send there it, send it back oh oh there you go whoa i think this is his whole plan all along whoa <laughs> I think we're cracking. I know. I couldn't must, figure out the solar like city stuff yeah, before. There, there it is. That's exactly energy what he's, he's going to go harvest energy in space and bring it back with his Tesla, and if, with his reuse with his batteries. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, I think we cracked something. I think we gave the audience a lot to think about. I think so. I um, hope crypto so. Crypto kitties to sustainability to what's Elon Musk really up to? Yeah. Sun harvesting. <laughs> Sun Clearly. harvesting. Solar. Yeah. It's all in the name. So, Kroll, thank you so much for coming on. No, it's, it's my pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, yeah, Brett. You're great, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Style is Free podcast. Shout out to Kroll for coming over and speaking with us. I hope you all learned as much as I did about crypto kitties, cryptocurrencies, and the sustainability issues with blockchain technology. Until next time, friends, I'm your host, Brett Leibowitz.